Hello and welcome back to the 303 podcast. My name is Ollie Fawcett, founder and creative director at 303. And I'm Jamie Vaughan, co-owner and director of 303. This is the podcast where we talk to you about all things entrepreneurship, business, marketing and life at 303. For those that don't know, 303 is a creative digital agency that creates and distributes content for the curious and the ambitious. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts and please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome back to 303 Radio. Jean-Moi, how are you? I'm very well. The sun's shining. It's glorious. I'm in a good mood today. Good. How's your week been? Very busy. Very productive. There's been quite a lot of uh, big milestones hit. The highlight of your week. Oh yeah, new bottles. Very important, these. Right. Anyone that's watching on video at the moment, which won't be a lot of you, we've got a new ocean bottle. Watch this, everyone. Which is better than chilies. Are they saying that, Sam? Mm. Are they saying that? Mm. It has a thing, and then it tells you about your bottle. Should we should we give these away? Some of these away? Yeah. If you want a bottle. If you want a bottle. Oh, oh tell you what. If you want a bottle, leave a comment on the podcast on Apple Music. Apple Music? Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. Uh, leave a comment. Say you want a bottle and we'll send you a bottle. Yep. We'll pick two people to send a bottle to. Per episode. Indefinitely. Exactly. Cool. Ray and test. while we're on the topic of commenting, subscribing and rating this mm-hmm. fucking podcast, mm-hmm. please do it more. Yeah, we're enjoying it. The questions are coming through though. Nice. The questions are coming through, but don't forget to leave a rating and review. Otherwise, we'll keep begging you and we'll look, you know, needy. Embarrassing. Indeed. So we've had a busy week. A very busy week. Yep. We are, what, halfway through Q2 now? Yeah. June is around the bend. Almost, Almost halfway through the year. Six months. Shit. Um, I suppose a little bit of exciting news. The new 303 website is officially live. Is it? Yeah. There's, there's, some, <laughs> <laughs> there's some developments some, with it. Give some... Co- there's all that <laughs> <laughs> yep. The 3.3 website is live. Do go check it out. There are some nice things on there. There's quite a lot on the blog page. There's some really insightful things that the team have been writing, which I think should, people should go and point out. It's a nice 8,000 word. Uh, yeah. There's also a transcription of this podcast, so do do go look at that. FCEO. Um But apart from that, what uh, what else has been going on in the world of 3.3? Um, Excuse me while I sip from my water bottle. I know, it's a delightful experience. Can you demonstrate how good it is as well for, yeah. those, for those viewers? Can everyone hear? No, 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 you don't need to do that. I'm, I'm saying... That's how. Sam's literally just curdled over there. <laughs> Is that you, good, Sam? You right, Sam? Was that good? <laughs> Did it sound good? One more time, one more time. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, wait, I'm, I'm going to move on from the segment. This isn't a segment. <sighs> drinking with Ollie for the, for the new section. Last week it was lightsabers, this week it's drinking. <laughs> was that a good one, Sam? Um, what's been going on this week? We've had a big shift with internal process, which sounds like a boring update to the rest of the world, but I feel um, we've made some hires that I don't think we would have made, you know, in the relatively recent past <clears throat> that have made a huge difference to our mm. internal efficiencies. Don't indeed, which is indeed. Great. We've been busy. We've been busy. Obviously, for the people that don't know and don't listen to this podcast frequently, first of all, rude. Second of all, um, <laughs> Three of three is basically two businesses in one. We have a content team and we have a digital team. So actually managing the two together is uh, is something we're going through and we're learning a lot about. And our aim is to become extremely efficient in that. So we are, Ops. yeah, we are opping the shizzle out of the bizzle. Um, so yeah, that's been very good. The shizzle out of the bizzle? Did we like that one? Was that good? It's a low point podcast. At least we know. I've, the, do you know what I've done again? Yeah, I've been drinking this ghost fucking... Has that got the pre-workout? Yeah, this has got... No, this is the amino Thanks acids. Thanks to actual Stafford. Uh, Sean Stafford keeps on supplying me with ghost products. He takes he has pre-workout as if it's like juice. Mm. So he's just constantly even more. Hashtag fuck Robinsons. 
Robinsons do get in touch though if you want paid media. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> no, what else happened? Um, I think a lot of people will have seen who uh, overlap with us, but our um, our client collecting cars had a momentous amazing Sunday. Um, was that last week? No, two weeks ago. Two now. weeks ago, now, yeah. Um, but for for those that didn't see, um, collecting cars is the fastest growing collectible car auction platform in the world, and they. Um, God, you really got that nailed down, haven't you? Yeah. Oh yeah, well, I've got. I've got. To, you know, I'm trying to. I'm trying, I'm trying to make it be so for the, for the very long future. No, no, um, carry on. No, but they um, they had an awesome um, sort of landmark moment where they sold a 38 car collection yep. for a combined value of seven and a half million quid, um, which is unbelievable. Um, the average sale price, therefore, was 197 thousand pounds, which is just unbelievable. Yeah, there was some seriously cool cars in there, Carrera GT. Uh, delivery mileage 964 Carrera RS. Yeah, some silly, nice. silly stuff um, in there. Lots of different bits, but just, yeah, I mean. What was your favourite car from that collection? Um, That's a good question. I thought the Carrera GT looked amazing in yellow. I was going to um, say it would just be the Carrera GT for me, like which is a really like, boring one, choice. The black, the black four-litre GT3 RS, actually. Oh, yeah, like that was actually the one that I found really interesting as well. So that car was right-hand drive and delivery mileage. Yeah. Uh, or you know, just about delivery mileage, and then he had a, the the collector, the guy selling them, Mr. Leonard, um, had a white one that was left-hand drive, and it went for almost two hundred gram less than the black one. It's interesting, that was a isn't big it? Golf yeah, to show yeah. That collector cars, how much that all changes. But, um, but yeah, um, collecting cars had a had a sort of great moment. Um, mm. So that was very very cool to see. Um, and on the on the subject of them and their sister brand, Watch Collecting, they hit um, the second million mark um, exactly a month after hitting their first million. Um, so Watch Collecting is also going like a train, which is very exciting. Very um, exciting indeed. Yeah. Well, it's a busy week then, isn't it? There's obviously that isn't only the only three things that happen in the life of three or three. Many, many, many things happen, but no, um, it was very good. Have you seen any particularly good creatives come out of the uh, the team this week? Out of the team. A certain brand reel um, definitely was uh, was up there. Um, a show reel that young Tobias. Mm. Um, Tobias doesn't get enough coverage, does he? No. I, he I sometimes look at Toby and I'm like, because he's so locked in. Toby's our content editor for those that don't know, but he's so dialed in the whole time with the headphones in in the screen that I sometimes look at him and I'm just like, I don't know what your voice sounds like because he's so dialed in at all times. <laughs> I mean, Sam's not... always chirping away at me. Um, but Tobias, Sam's yeah. also off Toby's making a lot of noise. Yeah, Toby's, so Toby's been dropping some heat though. Yeah, Woo. so that's that was up there. We will uh, we will hopefully share some stuff on LinkedIn that he's been doing very very soon. Yeah, um, cool. Well, good stuff. Well, moving swiftly on um, to chat a little bit about a new business and a little bit on, about entrepreneurship. Um, Jimmy, I have a question for you this week. You ready? Mm. How do you personally motivate yourself, and what is it that motivates you the most every day? And I'm saying about being a bit, because obviously you own part of 303. So being somewhat of a business owner and also the managing director, what, what motivates you the most, would you say? That's a good question. Um, I would say the last six months have confirmed that it's like the growth thing. I've always enjoyed, I've worked in like quite a few small businesses or been involved with a lot of small businesses now as mm. a result of what we do. Seeing them grow is obviously very cool, but I think from the 303 side of things as well we've over three times the size of the business in a year and that process as much as it's knackering very stressful and quite difficult mm. um and fairly life dominating um for you and i it's like the most rewarding process in the world 
um, once it's done. So obviously financially and all that other stuff that people would try not to say Mm -hmm. as it's obvious um, comes with the growth thing. But it's just, it's very funny thinking back to when we had like four people this time last year Mm. and now it's 16 or whatever, Mm. 17 whatever many people so the growth thing is is what's getting me out of bed at the moment for sure we like it good stuff we like growth i've got a question for you as well go on you actually hinted at it our our dual um our dual department model yeah of creative and media which is probably something that we bang on about a lot but still probably not enough um which is our sort of uniqueness and why and with that why is it in your mind so important to have that competitive edge yeah like i think you know we we class ourselves as a hybrid agency which basically means we are a media agency and a creative agency blended into one when i when i very first started kind of what was green tea and started you know moving into this industry in a big way um you know a couple of years before you were here i just thought it was a given i'll be really honest like i just didn't understand especially when it comes to you know the social first content we create and distribute that if you're running a social platform, whether it be paid, whether it be organic, whether it be a website, whatever it might be, all the stuff we do day to day now, you know, why why you're not fully immersed in the creative. Like I genuinely believe our ads outperform other agencies because we like have a massive focus on the creative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the fundamentals of advertising for, like, I think we both share about the creative is everything. The distribution is, you know, everything as well. But, you can't have one without the other. Um, it's kind of, I suppose, the way we look at it. But I don't know. We've had some pretty interesting conversations with various people in the last sort of six months about this. And I think there's, you know, we are no way the kind of the disruptor into the industry. You know, people are doing this kind of having two things under one roof. Um, but I think we are doing it, you know, the, what we're focusing on at the moment about how we actually make that work as a business and as a model that's our big focus at the moment. And like, it's not an easy thing to do. Like we know every single problem that there is with that as a infrastructure. Um, I think if we get it right and we get it right at scale and, you know, with some of the amazing clients we've got working with us at the moment and potential future clients, I mean, if we can make it work and make it tick all those boxes of affordability, of, of disruptiveness, of reactiveness, whatever it might be that I think you need to be as a good business, but also a good digital agency or creative digital agency. I think we've got a good chance of winning the game. Um, but we are so focused on our product. Like mm. we, you know, a lot of people often say, why, why are you not more people? Why are you not focusing? Why are you all of a sudden growing this year? it's been a lot of work. You know, 2020 was a lot of work for both me and you. And then 2019 was a lot of work for both me and you. But then there was years before that when we were both doing different things, understanding this market and understanding what we wanted to offer. And I think that's, you know, you said it in another podcast where it's what drew you to 303 is that we, we're not like other agencies, like people that compare us to some of the competitors in the space. Sometimes I'm flattered because I'm like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah, like you're putting us on the same page as, you know, agency, whatever it might be. But then others, I'm like, we are nothing like them. We are like nowhere near like what we, we do. Um, and I think that's what is really exciting for our team. I think that's what is exciting for our clients, like not only from a cost-effective perspective, but also from the our talent and skill. You know, we might not have the oldest creatives or the <clears throat> most experienced digital uh, specialists in the room, but what we have is everyone in the room. And that's kind of what I love the most about what we offer. Yeah. Um, something we don't really talk about enough, to be honest, um, 
and obviously something where we want to you know we've got a few guests lined up from other agencies that have different models where we're hopefully going to have an interesting conversation but it's it's what makes create and amplify you know what we live by work um, yeah. we create it and then we amplify it yeah i think it's also the suitability of our proposition for the for the clients that we work with and like yeah. the, why the growth has happened when it happened is because we started to double down on the sort of clients we wanted to work with which yeah. is direct to consumer businesses yeah predominantly in in the premium set space of whatever market they're in yeah and some it's luxury just, as well yeah yeah and some luxury it's, it's just a yeah it's a recipe that works for those sorts of brands yeah no definitely i think you know there are a lot of agencies covid has, has made a lot of agencies pop up and I'm, I'm excited to see these new ones immerse themselves and see see what happens but um yeah, I, th- I think, look, we're, what we're doing is not easy. Um, I think running an agency isn't easy. Even if you're extremely fun- well-funded, you know, we're not like the big agencies of the world that are really going for it and growing. I just think the product is missed in the agency space. What do you actually do? You might have loads of experience, but day-to-day is, is your product shit hot? Mm. Is the customer experience, is the client's experience great? Like all those things that, you know, everyone's made mistakes. We've had slip-ups, of course, but like we're now focused on on the next step yeah so now i've finished my uh my long speech my long answer to your question um i'm gonna finish we're gonna finish off this section i've got another question for you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um going global and international is is an interesting thing for us because we we do work internationally yeah we've recently launched some stuff in america um for uk businesses and we are also doing some stuff in canada and also possibly now in africa as well which is exciting as hell um and australia and australia yeah and Europe. And Europe, obviously. Um, part of the EU, aren't we? No? No. Cut that. Brexit means Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I suppose the question is is about being global, so offices around the world. What, yeah. what is your thought on that? Obviously, we both, I know the answer to this question, but I thought it'd be interesting for the, for the listeners of the 303 Radio podcast to um, yeah. include that. Well, I think, I think it's something that is very glamorized, isn't it? The idea of going yeah. global is quite, uh, obviously, it's exciting. Um but yeah, Before I you mean, start, sorry, can you just explain to people if I want if we wanted to put a US address? Yeah. One second, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, let yeah. me just explain it. <clears throat> Excuse me. For everyone that doesn't know, before you go into your speech, if we wanted to have a US address, an Amsterdam address, and a South Africa address on the bottom of our website, how easy would that be tomorrow? Yeah, it could happen tomorrow. I could do it this afternoon. Yeah, and how? Well, how does well, a you, lot of people tend to do it? Is yeah, the there's a, like. It's so easy to get a postal address, essentially, which is all you, you technically need. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's some documentation that we probably have to uh, jump through a few loopholes, loopholes too. Mm. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people do say, to the point around its glamorization, a lot of people will want to will want to work with um, you know international agencies. Yeah, I would say do the research and double check that it's not in like a post office or something because that's possibly where they're just getting letters forwarded to but um yeah it's like 200 i think it's 200 dollars a month to get a new york coastal address so yeah it costs nothing so um yeah that would be easy to do so maybe you see that coming to the footer of the three or three website <laughs> very shortly, just to troll all of the all, but what, is, what, more what is going global what does 303 going global actually mean to you well i think at what, what point of... would you say we're we are officially a global agency I mean, yeah, I think we market globally now and we have very good understanding of the nuances of different markets already. Yeah. We're hiring in um, in a way that is very much geared towards that so that, you know, our office is so international. We've got Italian people, Peruvian people, 
group, mm-hmm. uh, Filipino people. Mm-hmm. Um, the team is diverse. So Toby's bloody lives in Switzerland. His family does. Like, there's a yeah, lot. Yeah. There's a lot of in, we're internationally that, yeah. minded. So with marketing in that way now, but going global is, I think, multiple. Well, even if it's two, having sort of actual presence in two different countries. But I think the point at which we do it is the point at which we go, okay, the UK's absolutely charging along now. Yeah. The the I think it's a question of new business in in in, the, in most ways. It's will this model work in other places? And you know, I think Amsterdam's definitely one we've thought about a lot because there are so many direct consumer businesses that pop out of that city. Um, yeah. New York, obviously. California, I also feel like Amsterdam's really evolving their startup space. Massively, yeah. Well, I think it's it always very well when I say really evolving. I think it's been happening in the last sort of five years. There's kind of a very business. I think a lot of people, when you think of Amsterdam, generally, like this might be just yeah. me in, in, in my world, but like you think long weekend if you're a Brit, mm. or you think like Red quiet life. District. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. Or you think like quiet life, whatever it might be. Whereas actually, there's a lot of infrastructure being built there. Like, I know Heineken, for example, have got their massive, massive offices there for you know thousands of people, whatever it is. So there is... P- PVH. PVH, got balance. yeah, New Balance. There's a lot there. So, But you know, they've, they, well, they've, they've done huge amounts of different... Um, incentivization at a government level so mm. there's just there's loads of epic stuff just popping out in tech um in the dc space etc so it feels like a town that would be well geared to us and it's a 45 minute flight from city airport which is also very appealing mm. um so yeah i think it's basically taking what we've honed and like i'm not saying that we're by any stretch the sort of finished article but and then starting again and i think the point at which we do it is we go like okay we've got good market share we've got yeah. you know the, cl- the clients we want to work with etc in london and then it's going to be easier to potentially go up further afield to actually attract new business as opposed to finding more stuff here mm. um so yeah and obviously the us like bigger companies are in the us than in the uk um so got to shoot for the stars with these things haven't you exactly well let's move on progressing on um which should we start should we start with uh camden town because it's fresh in my mind <clears throat> Let's come back to Camden Town because you just like to think about beer close to a Friday. I want to talk about Instagram uh, insights for reels on Instagram. I also, before we go into that, I want to talk about Instagram's monetization news. Have you seen this? I have. Do you want to explain it or should I? You do. Okay, cool. So, so there's been um, more appeals to you because it's for the sort of influence. Oh, for fuck's sake. At, at Ollie.303. Um, no, no, well, for those that don't know, much about influencers and how that kind of world works i'm sure a lot of us do influencers obviously get paid in various ways when i say influencers i mean basically someone's a following who thinks they're influencing someone to make a decision is is the fundamentals of an influencer the the space is very disruptive at the moment and it's a very volatile space in terms of where it's going which i think is good and bad for many different reasons but uh, as an influencer you can earn you're living in many different ways. One of those is monetization on a platform. So if you're a YouTuber, that's the most common way. You will, uh, YouTube or Google will play ads within your content. You'll get paid for someone to view those ads or click through um, and then paid out on a CPM, which varies per channel, is basically the way of looking at it. Um, the other way of earning money is through brand deals or, um, sorry, well, it is through brand deals um, or collaborations with brands, whatever it might be. So a brand will pay you to endorse a product or sponsor it in very different ways. And then the third way is obviously selling your own content or selling your own merchandise or shop or whatever it might be, e-com platform. What Instagram's doing, which they haven't done up until well, now, what's rumored, 
is the monetization thing side of things. So most Instagram influencers obviously make money through brand deals or sponsorship or promotion, whatever it might be. Whereas now it looks like IGTV and Reels are going to be the first platforms which will have in content advertising, which is going to be interesting. Obviously, like Instagram has been a big focus. So I think there are more people that use Instagram as an influence than there are YouTube. Um, for various obvious reasons, flexibility of the platform, how easy it is, the time taken to create the content, various different things. Um, But I suppose it's kind of got me thinking a little bit about the direction that Instagram is going when it comes to influencers and people earning a living from Instagram. Um, Obviously, we work with some influencers and we do work with our clients and influencers on various different deals, tends to be rather large project stuff. but, you know, there is a lot of money to be made and we've historically been a part of that. But I suppose with Instagram now making their platform very appealing to an influencer, so his question for you is, where do you think that's going to take the platform for the audience? Well, I think the first thing that came to my mind is that they're obviously just gunning directly at YouTube now with IGTV um, and Reels. I never know what the placement is on YouTube, but like YouTube stories, whatever they're called. Shorts. Shorts. Um, they are obviously so directly gunning at that. So I think they're just basically really trying to drive up like a really serious viewing platform mm. proposition that rivals YouTube. Do you know what's interesting on the short stuff? I've been using YouTube like short. I think it's called short. I should really know. I think it's called shorts. Yeah, it's called shorts. I think that it's a better algorithm than uh, Instagram Reels. For whatever reason, I enjoy the content more on YouTube I Shorts. I think my Reels suggestions are terrible. Yeah, but I think it's quite like I don't know what the obviously the it's algorithm just, on the back so end. So clickbaity, my Reels. Yeah, it's very like dominant in that way. Sorry, Karen. But yeah, um, so I think I think the more interesting thing for me was the like how directly they're gunning at YouTube when historically they've obviously been looking a bit more sideways at other platforms. So IGTV is obviously now just gunning YouTube, Reels, TikTok, etc. Mm. Um, so I think that's really interesting, and I think they're just trying to make it a more compelling place for, like, in the same way that people are YouTubers. Yeah, I don't think there's that many people that say I'm an Instagrammer. Like, they probably say they're an influencer. Yeah, um, yeah, completely. So now there is an actual viable commercial channel whereby someone could, you know, obviously with the right following, mm. make bucks from monetized instagram video content yeah because also like you know for those that don't know how youtube tends to work a a video that's over 10 minutes with ads in it can make you some decent money even if you're a small fry that content could also go onto instagram even if you've got under ten thousand followers and be monetized well we don't know how the monetization is going to work but in theory it could be yeah which means that for one piece of content that you've already created for youtube although the platforms are different and the way audience interacts are different it could lead to say that you couldn't basically double your money from the same piece of content. Yeah, it'll be interesting because to see how they actually do that monetization there because YouTube it will changed be, yeah. so much. Yeah, because like with YouTube, for example, one of the one of the kind of bigger trends at the moment that I'm seeing a lot of is clips accounts. Mm. So um, let's say you're a gamer YouTube and you've got, um, it's a bit like what Joe Rogan's done, but it's even shorter. Mm. So you have your main channel with your 10 minute to an hour long videos, whatever it might be. Um, and then you would have your vlogging channel if you're a gamer. Let's say this is generally how it's set up. But what a lot of them are doing now, what uh, YouTubers are doing is creating clips accounts, which are literally like under a minute videos. Outtakes. Yeah. yeah. But it, or it's like a clip from something with a really clickbaity title, which is the kind of content you would see on like... When people do that for podcasts a lot, like impulsive. Is yeah, yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of that now. So it's 
it's kind of interesting to see the platforms battle out. I think the monetization move from Instagram is really interesting because I think that will allow it. Like these platforms, an investment for a lot of influencers. They're either investing their time or investing their money to create the content. So I think this will take the level of I, my prediction is that the people actually do well on Instagram. I think YouTube and you know to a degree Instagram, a lot of it's like very raw slapdash content that seems to do well. But the last sort of two years, especially with people consuming so much content because of COVID, I think the the want and need for good quality content, whether it be the actual the narrative or the story or the way yeah. it's filmed and produced has changed to be more premium and people want to see, you know, the equivalent of a Netflix or yeah. YouTube. And I think that would mean that with monetization in Instagram, the people that actually invest in it, I think their audience will be more engaged. I yeah. also think that they will spend more time on the platform making better content, which means Instagram will have more people spending more time on the platform, which they can obviously generate revenue from. So I think the move from Instagram to me looks like they're trying to get people to create better content for Instagram. Mm. When I say better content, I mean more premium, yeah. like better narrative. Just more incentivized yeah. to use IGTV. Probably. Not just, yeah, exactly. But I think I think the thing that's possibly more interesting than all of this to, to just like Instagram users is are they now just going like, oh, fuck, like more ads, surely not. The... I think yeah. the thing to bear in mind with all of that, and as much as YouTube ads are irritating, the biggest metric that any of these big companies actually care about is daily active users, because that's the thing that really drives their sort of yeah. market rate, um, and obviously their share price and and their market share and all of those like key things when they're sort of battling it out so directly with such obvious competitors. Like they must be really designing it so that it's not going to be like an intrusive. Because I still find YouTube ads a little bit like. They're just so basic how they like pop up and come on. Like mm. that it's not that nice. Like the UX of how an ad yeah. appears isn't great. Like there's so many different things in terms of like skippability and stuff, like which are so irritating. When you get one that's 19 seconds, I often switch the app off. Yeah. So like I suspect Instagram will be much more. But then again, so like to completely have. play on that from my side, I think YouTube are trying to push you towards premium. They are, yeah. Absolutely. Like in a in a massive, but almost I think they're getting to the point of like. But it's so cheap. It is. It's so cheap. But I almost wonder. It's what four quid a month? Nine ninety nine. Oh, nine three ninety nine or something. Yeah. It's four yeah, quid. yeah. I think it's the deal at the moment. I've seen is like nineteen ninety nine for a year or something. Like if you bet for, but like stupidly cheap, right? For no ads. For no ads. But it's I like think Netflix I feel well. like, and obviously we do a lot of um, it's Google Video, isn't it, on the back end of yeah. um, Google Ads? But like we do a lot of that for clients, but. And we, we've seen some really interesting results and, and, and it's been quite lucrative for us as a, as a platform to um, use with our clients. But from a user perspective, like sometimes I'm hit with like three ads before I start my the video. Yeah. And the video is probably only like a couple I, minutes long. That's, that's my thinking though. I just, I don't think Google and YouTube think about themselves as a social media platform enough. No. I think Instagram are like expert at keeping you engaged and on the platform. Yeah. Like... If you're it's a black hole, isn't it? It's a black like, hole, yeah. You, 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 but, you can get lost in that thing. But it's and the taggability if, as well. because so, It is, but the, my point with it is is that if ads start becoming intrusive, people won't stay on for as long. They'll no. lose that black hole effect. Then they might become disenfranchised with the app and then daily active usership will go down and, and yeah. whatever. So I don't think they'll be... I think they'll just be more nicely integrated. Um, yeah, because I was also reading a lot about that. IGTV as a platform for... Um, there was a lot of conversation a couple of years ago, I think it was, well, maybe even last year. You know when you're actually an IGTV and you can swipe up on your screen and see recommended content? Yeah. 
that was obviously come obviously all the platforms copy each other that originally came from um youtube yeah but it doesn't work apparently people don't use that feature i've never used like that yeah and I, I don't know many people that have so it's quite interesting from that side to see you know what these platforms i always think like what's the play like when instagram stories came out i was like i get the play that's what i'm saying though i don't think the play here is just more cash i think it's for better quality content um which i think is exciting and like youtube is my biggest viewer um platform for sure like even though i'm paying for prime and netflix and whatever else like that's what i use so i think it'd be really interesting to see if igtv can compete with that yeah 16 pounds 16 yeah, I literally got I I got offered something three ninety nine. I've seen that three ninety nine thing. I wonder if it's like a seven day something. It's sixteen ninety nine a month. Fuck, that's actually that's not good value. Netflix is nine ninety nine. But I wonder. I mean, this is what I kind of mean with YouTube and Instagram with the video content thing. I don't really get what you're like. I'm willing to put my name on this. I think YouTube will dwindle in in the the wake of further instagram domination i really think that it will just dwindle off also like i think youtube have always had a bit of a stake um in desktop viewership like and that's just going like into the toilet now i think no one uses yeah i mean mobile it's instagram yeah it is is mobile my thing will be about the like the creators like obviously youtube actually shut down the creator studios Mm. in london because of covid and around the world as well I think it'll be where the creators go. It's a big reason why apparently Vine didn't work was because of the creators. Mm. They like the, you know, as much as even if a couple of big ones go. Like, do you remember when was it Twitch and everyone went to the Amazon? Was it wasn't Amazon's? It was another version Amazon of Twitch. Twitch didn't they? Yeah, but it was like another version of Twitch with people to, like um, Ninja. Is it Ninja? Yeah, Ninja tried to go to another platform and it flopped and came back. That's kind of what I mean about these platforms it's literally of a big group imagine if every gamer that's currently on youtube got together like all the big ones the top 100 gamers got together and said we're all going to sack this off and go to igtv and all monetize it and no one here i wonder how much that would actually dominate like how much that would change those platforms especially if, if instagram took the view and they were just like sod it we're just going to make the monetization like unreal for the mm. creators you could literally end it like you could end youtube it'd be interesting we've dwelled we've dwelled let's talk about beer it's Friday let's talk about beer how long Um, we've done 20 minutes no we've done okay fine we'll do we will miss out the creative fun stuff cool let's talk about beer your favourite subject got a bit of a sore head today yeah I can tell so we're going to talk about a Camden Bury ad Camden Town Bury ad Um, if you want to watch it We'll leave the link in the description. Click on it's the, a bloody good Click app. on the link, come like back, and then you'll be in. But if anyway, I'd, I'd give it we'll an 8.5 about. out of 10 as an ad. Now, Jamie, you're, in your previous life at that, I can't remember that business you, what you used to work for, it's slipped my mind. Um, that juice company, yeah. Those guys, pasteurization. Yeah. Can you briefly explain pasteurization to It's literally work? just the process of heating something. To do what? To reduce bacteria presence so that shelf life is longer. But it has a very adverse effect in juice terms on the sort of health qualities. Like it can destroy quite a lot of good bacteria. Um, so basically, pasteurized juice is less healthy and, and less nutritionally dense. Beer is more around taste. So obviously, no one's you know tucking into twenty pack for uh, for health reasons. Um, you are. 
<laughs> mental health reasons. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so like unpasteurized beer just tastes better and fresher. Yeah. Um, and saying that, I've had a really bad experience coming house over the last bit of time. So hold on, hold on. We'll come to this. We'll come to the questions yeah. about our personal opinions on the product. Yeah. But let's talk about the ad. the ad. With the ad, so for those that don't know and haven't watched it, briefly explaining is a first of all brilliant, well together production value, amazing on the ad. The idea is three people come into a news conference and they explain that some pasteurised cans of candom hails have slipped through the net and are on display. Um, and in if you find packs. in the yeah in their four packs, and if you find one, you get a year supply of free beer to say sorry. Obviously, it's a joke because they're trying to say we don't pasteurise anything, mofos. So um, to we make won't it, find one to make it fresh as hells. Yeah, which is good. Cool. I like it. Um, so there's a couple of things on this. Like, there's obviously a little bit of a copy of, I think, well, let's see what you think about this. The Obviously, the news conferences we've been having because of COVID. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's insightful. I hadn't thought about that. I think that's very true. Chris Whitty could have been up there. Chris, but also, I thought... like Chris. The thing is, so like, first of all, I think it's clever. Like, the incentive of kind of being, you know, I know we'll talk about Brewdog, I'm sure, if we're talking about the beer space, but like... The incentive of just being a little bit more like bullish about stuff and just being like, so you know, you know Bru- a Bru- way to watch that ad and gone, oh fuck, that was really good. Yeah, James Watt would be few. But that's great. That was when you've done something good, yeah. isn't it? When pe- competitors are looking and potentially copying. Um, I suppose my question is, which is why I've asked you to explain pasteurization, is who would actually care about that to make them drink Camden House? Well, for example, reason, I what, I wouldn't know why that makes my beer taste differently, and I drink well, very, all the time. No, but they very just directly say it does taste fresher mm. and more clean and delish. Mm. What well, I think the point, the reason it will come have come out, I'm sure a group of people not too dissimilar to us will have sat down with the Camden um, Town Brewery people and said, yeah. "This is a crowded as space. How are we going to gain some cut through? What's genuinely different? Mm. Like Brewdog." Beaver Town, all of these other like cool, up and coming, you yeah. know, kind of artisanal, in some capacity, um, like crafty beery companies yeah. that are disruptors to the big players of Heineken's, Amstel's, etc. They'll have said, actually, this pasteurization thing is quite cool. There's an, there's a sort of educational element to why they don't do it within yeah. the ad, which is so sort of um, like it's a subconscious reaction to going like, oh right, I probably won't do buy something that's pasteurized now yeah um but i just think i think it's really clever they've just they they've picked on something that is a point of difference um and then there's also this like gamified aspect to it which will mm. probably make me buy a four pack of yeah because I, I quite like as soon as i saw the news conference kind of thing i was a bit like this feels like so many people are used to seeing that because of covid yeah but then they're kind of playing on this side for me it was kind of i enjoyed that because i was a bit like oh it's a news conference with some nice news yeah. As much as it, and what I mean by nice news is it's just about beer, which is always good news. Yeah. So like that was kind of what I got straight away, which was quite quite yeah. cool. I thought it was very cool. The only thing I would say, the free beer thing, they need to get. I like, I didn't understand, and this is just because I thought about it too much. Is there going to be a pasteurized printed can saying yeah, pasteurized? Like a, it's got like a toxic looking. Fine, and if really, you find that, yeah, you get. You find that you ring the number that's in the ad, and they just give you a free year supply of yeah. beer. If anyone does find this and listens yeah, to this touch. podcast, please get in touch. I'll buy the can off you. There you said for how, a thousand pounds? Ooh, probably not. How many cans are there? Only four. There's fifty four. cans. Okay, yeah, it's probably worth quite a lot of money then. A grand? No. Five hundred quid. I just bought some new wheels. 
<laughs> very loud hubs. Okay, let's put 500 quid. If, if, they, if you find it, we'll give you 500 quid for the can. Yeah, fine. Cool. And no no copies. Um, good. Let's, uh, let's move swiftly on to one of our favourite watch brands. Because we like talking about watches, don't we? We like watches. We're just very basic. We like bikes, cars and watches and food. Yeah, and so first thing to say is Patek Philippe have released some my, new watches. My favourite watch. First of all, tell me what you think about Patek Philippe as a brand and also their Instagram page. Cause they, I think different. that Instagram page gives me a slight migraine. It feels very on-brand, but they basically do these insane carousels with loads of video and like unbelievable amounts of design in them. Um, but... I think Patek is a brand. I think it's one of the best known um, kind of marketing snippets in terms of their like slogan of you never own a Patek Philippe, you just look after it for the next generation. That is like, it's not as well known obviously as just do it for Nike, but it, for a luxury brand that's targeting obviously such a small 0.1% of the world, it's incredibly well known. Yeah. But, like it feels, expe- like every touch point feels ludicrously expensive. Yeah, and kind of. Just, yeah, going into cute. the, I think there's gonna be a lot of people listening who aren't into watches and don't understand why a watch is worth more than, like a hundred quid. And mm. I think there's a lot there to unpack, and there's a lot there that we would say in a professional way and say in a personal way. For me, what Patek gets so right is the experience mm. and like the touch point, like you just said, is just always incredible. But I think also they are still evolving as a brand. They're still developing the how modern, they they're how modernizing, they're aren't they? Exactly. Now, with these releases, they've obviously released five more um, models of the Aquanaut, and I know which one you would get. Which one would I get? So, let me just break them down. So, they're all, I believe they're all gold. They're all white gold. Oh, no, there's, there's stainless steels. There are stainless no, steels. There's no, no, there's two stainless steels with diamonds. The ladies' watches. Yeah, but there's yeah. five, the five models that have been released. Right. No, the, the ones in question. I'm looking at I all... Mean, no, no, I'm talking about the delicious. Oh, no, no, no. 42 mil boys. <laughs> so we've got a rose gold um, Aquanaut with a white bracelet and a rose gold case, white face, and some diamantes around it. I think okay. they're probably real diamonds, but yeah. <laughs> um, we've also got a stainless steel black, which I actually quite like, but again, diamonds around it, black face. Same thing as stainless steel in white. We've then got a stainless steel khaki, which is I'm not gonna lie, pretty strong. With but it's got diamonds. Yeah, the the khaki the khaki the, the do you know what I also think Patek do really well is the colour. I think it's really hard to get colour right when you're a brand that have got so much behind you. The the Patek orange, the Patek blue, and the Patek green are incredible colours. Grey's on and the grey's grey's hard to get right. I think sometimes sludge grey. Mm. Um, so we've got stainless steel. We've also then got a rose gold version of the white. Um, as well and then the two boys the two boys we care about are both white gold a white gold blue aquanaut and a white gold green aquanaut I think you would have it's obviously going to be one of those I imagine you don't want the rose gold white with no. the diamonds I think you would have purely because I would have the other one you would have the blue I would have the blue. yeah see smashed it yeah. why would you have the blue because I would have the green it's unbelievable um, we need to be getting these up on screen Sam I feel they're just they're just so nice. Well, I think Patek Philippe's obviously known as like the most luxurious watch brand. We'll leave a link down below as well. Yeah, so we'll leave a link. But they're sort of known as the most luxurious watch brand and therefore quite closely associated with dress watches and like, you know, super elegant, like intricate pieces. These are like robust, rubber strapped, 
sport watches that you'd go in the sea and, and whatever, like, you know, you'd yeah. bash around in. Um, obviously being white gold, they have done these colorways in steel previously. Um, but they're, yeah, they're just the, the bollocks, aren't they? I'm trying to find um, the, the blue. The blue, I'd go for the blue just because I'm, I'm really feeling blue at the moment. The green is a bit like, it's outfit sensitive, I would say. Yeah, but I've got no dress sense, so that doesn't matter. You like green and yellow together, so yeah. I honestly yeah. don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm now on a Patek website and swimming into a we dark need to get off it. But yeah, I mean, like amazing releases from Patek. Do go check those out. I would have the green one, Jeremy have the blue one. The, they're going to be $62,000, the the blue and the green. Um, what do you reckon they're going to go for on the second hand? White gold? gold? Yeah. They're going to be what? List their what? $62,000. Dollars? Yeah. It could be pretty close to six figs in I was the first say, six months. In like, yeah, I was going to say six months. It's if you can like, get a slot, don't get in touch with me because I can't. Are they limited? It, yeah. No, well, but are they actually limiting the? I don't think. Or? I don't know if they're limiting it, but like, it's obviously your tax, local yeah. protect dealer will probably only get a few. I mean, I would say, oh yeah, within six months, I think you would be at least plus ninety k dollars. Yeah, it's a lot of money in it. Good place to put your money. But now. then it's also white gold. Just got I to say, because it's, it's when the stainless steel stuff goes that high that I don't really, like, I still don't really get it. Like, so there are stainless steel watches for, like, the 60s to 70s dollars. Mm. Possibly even $90 in the conversion Watch rate. collecting sold a factory-sealed steel 5711, yeah. which is a Nautilus, close relative of the Aquanaut, for £84,500. Yeah, that's, like, I think, obviously, there's a lot of brand stuff here. There's limitations. There's all those sort of things with, with watches. It's sort of, like... I we both love that space. It's fucking fascinating, especially from a marketing perspective, like how it's developed and how that grey market works and how the like listing works. You know, there's a lot of politics Black involved in it as well. Yeah, God, down the alley market as well. But yep. no, like that that sale from watch collecting, incredible. But all, I mean, that's what I love the most about watch collecting for me is it, it. I really do feel like it dictates the market. Personally, I feel like what now watch collecting is starting to sell out on is. Does then you do then turn around and go well, like it has sold a watch collecting and like yeah. it was a bidding war, wasn't it? Like there was some, there was yeah. some strong strong bids coming in and like as much as it's not what that watch was worth if you found another one necessarily, well it does yeah. tell you a lot with about that, the market. With that specific one, there probably wasn't another one, but I think yeah, the thing that I love about the platform is that you can go on Auto Trader for cars or you can go on Chrono Twenty Four for watches and you can just see a selection of people putting watches up for what they want to get for them. Yeah. Or you can ring the collecting group and say, no, I want to sell this watch or car and they will just do the, do the job. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is very, very cool. Very interesting. Anyway, Jan, we're going to leave it there for this week. Um, we've both got a busy afternoon of, of various things to do. So thanks very much for joining. If people want to hear more from us, oh, don't forget about the water bottle thing. Leave a comment down below if you want a water bottle. Yeah. We'll send you one. They're really nice. In They're fact, really I'm really nice. drunk enough to demonstrate this now. This could be high risk though. Yeah. Uh-huh. There it's got go. a secondary lid. Yeah, for those that are listening, it you can also put soup in it. It's mayhem. Um, cool. Well, well, thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back next week with some more fun. Um, don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, and we'll see you very soon. Bye. Bye.